everyone, and welcome back to the Steam Forward Podcast. My name is Savannah, and I'm your host as always. And today, our guest is one of my favorite people. Her name is Anne Haywood. And a little bit about Anne is she teaches our students at Gen 2050 all about citizen science. And she's also a National Geographic explorer, just like Pastor Linda. And I have learned so much, as well as the students, we just really have learned so much from Anne all about the ecosystems in South Florida and just the diversity and everything that is in the environment of South Florida. So please help me welcome Anne. Yay. Thank you so much. <laughs> way to be here. Thank you so much. Well, Anne, just give us a little bit background about yourself. Like, who are you? What have you done? What has led you to this point in life? A little bit of your education. Well, thank you so much. That's a that's a long question because I've been around for a while. Um, I grew up in Virginia, okay. Central Virginia, and if I think about like the important moments in my path, it was probably like playing in the creek and finding yeah. like crawdads and fish and cool creatures just in my neighborhood, and, yeah. and like playing in the lawn and finding weeds, which you know we yeah. call them wildflowers, but they were really weeds. But I was always fascinated by mm-hmm. these things that were alive. And um, I loved biology in high school. And when I went to college, I somehow fell into studying literature, which was interesting. And I remember having a project where I, I wrote about and read Robert Frost and wrote about his connection to nature. And, mm-hmm. and that, was really, that was really cool. But I went to college in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. I went back to college in North Carolina. I spent a summer in New Hampshire in the mountains. And that was a profound... Uh, time for me because I really found my feet hiking yeah. on trails and exploring and using maps and meeting other people who love to be in nature yeah. like I did. And and I got away from mm-hmm. the suburbia where I grew up. It was a, a really cool opportunity. And after college, I uh, used my English major for a little while in communications, and then, but I felt the pull of education. Yeah, and I ended up working in an environmental education center in Texas. Mm-hmm. And the kids that came to our program came and spent the night. They left the the big city of Houston, and they spent the night um, at like a camp. It was the first time a lot of them had really been out of the city, and the first mm-hmm. time they had seen stars. And they we put them in the pond, and we used nets, and they pulled up the animals and. We saw, you know, they studied the birds and we actually, I remember having them like collect data on what they saw. Yeah. And from there, I ended up teaching fifth grade and my fifth graders went back to this program. Yeah. We did a lot of environmental education programs with my fifth graders Mm -hmm. in Houston. And that really set the foundation for what I do now. Yeah. As I saw what a difference that connection to nature made for these Mm -hmm. students like it had for me when I was a child. And... Um, the other part of my childhood that really stands out is I loved the beach. Yeah. Growing up in Virginia, we had winter. It was cold a lot of the year. You know, six months out of the year, it was cold. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always had this dream that someday I would live near the ocean. So I always think about <laughs> that when I'm in Miami traffic. I'm like, but you live near the ocean. Yeah. So um, my company now is called Mountain to Sea Education. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that is sort of a touch point to my love of the ocean. And the mountains and all of those places in between and all those different altitudes and the different ecosystems of those altitudes. And why I think it's such so foundational to that is that I feel like everyone should have opportunities to yeah. just 
get connected and find wonder in the natural world. Yeah, it's so because when I think about like the first time I ever met you, we were doing a bio blitz and just the way that you put together these bio blitzes and kids getting excited about collecting bugs and fish and just say, I found this plant. I found that plant. I just, especially like, cause with our demographic here in Miami gardens, you don't get to see the green stuff is what I always like to say. And so, yeah, I just, I will, yeah, just the way you made those kids feel about learning something new that actually matters. I just love it so much. And this last BioBlitz we had, they, yeah. they led the way. Yeah, because they knew the place where we were yeah. better than I did. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, you just tell them, get up there and, and help document what you're seeing. Yeah. Pictures of the insects mm-hmm. that you see, the plants that fascinate you. If you can get a picture of a butterfly, then, you know, good luck. They're tough. <laughs> yeah. Birds are too. Um, not impossible, but mm-hmm. a little trickier. And um, they they were fantastic. Mm-hmm. They they were teaching themselves. Yeah, I, I just loved it so much. And a bio blitz is a form of citizen science. For some people who don't know what citizen science is, could you just give us kind of an explanation? Because citizen science has a lot of different names, like community science. Mm-hmm. There's an overlap with community science, and you can get a sense it's about people, people right. powering science. So instead of being you know, expecting someone to go to college and become a trained scientist to actually do science. It's really that any of us can contribute to um, either collecting data or analyzing data. We can make observations. We can contribute to science in ways that the researchers that might set up a citizen science project, they couldn't do it on their own. Like yeah. like, like a, a scientist at a university that studies, um, you know, mammals in a certain area or fish or the the um, interactions between different species. If they want to know what animals are, you know, all they they need help. Yeah. You know, if, if someone's trying to track monarch migrations, yeah. can you imagine trying to study that? But without having an yeah. army of people out there mm-hmm. actually documenting where they're seeing monarchs at different times of the year. So there's there with citizen science, a sci- a researcher can pull together data sets and analyze them mm-hmm. in ways that they wouldn't have been able to other would have taken them years or really even more to collect that data. Yeah. I think citizen science makes science fun because it's hands on science. Yes. It's you're like some people doing the science. Yeah. It's real science yeah you're doing and it's you're so dumping to it i agree yeah so i i was going to phrase this question differently but i would say if there's a student that's watching or an adult and maybe they're like i love citizen science i love uh learning about the ecosystems and biodiversity and biology what would be a great place for them to start in like this journey of being a geographer or figuring out that kind of lane to be in. Ah, oh, that word geographer. Yeah. I know why you're saying that because my master's is actually in geography. And one reason, looking back, I think, oh, why didn't I study environmental science? But I was really interested in how humans and places interacted. And geography really covers the physical and the cultural world. All right. Um, so I think, I think, you know, there's so many places to start um, for kids. Um, who are interested in in getting more involved and being really active when they're learning about geography and learning about ecosystems and learning about the life where they live. Um, it's, I mean, of course, a great place to start is National Geographic. Yeah. 
<laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I, I would say what it'd be, be like a practical, like, Miss Anne, how do I get more involved? <laughs> yeah. Great question. But you can you can download apps like the iNaturalist app, right? App mm-hmm. of the one that we've used for our BioBlitz events. And a BioBlitz is actually just a, a rapid survey right. of of a place and to find all as much life as as possible and document that. So it's a it's a term that was coined a few decades ago and yeah. and National Geographic adopted it, National Parks adopted it, iNaturalist has contributed to it all these years. And so you can download the app and it'll teach you. There are tutorials on the app to teach you how to do it. Mm-hmm. There are other projects too. Not Citizen science isn't just about documenting nature. Right. You might even document when you see plastic pollution in your neighborhood. Yeah, we've done that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's one called Debris Tracker, also called Marine Debris Tracker. Mm-hmm. And that is a really cool tool too because you can contribute the data, but then you can look at that data. So yeah. if you're with your you know, your class or you're with your summer camp, your summer program or your scout troop or your neighborhood. You can document that trash and you can actually take that data and map it and look for patterns. Where do you see problems? Yeah, Let's write a letter to our city commissioner and say, we need more trash cans in these areas. (laughs) Here's the data that backs it up. Yeah. So that's really cool. And then there are other citizen science projects where you can can just be at your computer. You can distribute. And there are a couple platforms where you can look for those kinds of projects. Um, Zooniverse is one. Mm-hmm. Zooniverse, the Zooniverse. Um, so <laughs> universe with Z-O-O yeah. at the beginning. And then another is SciStarter. Mm-hmm. And those are full of like hundreds or thousands of projects mm-hmm. that need help. Yeah, need people's help. Mm-hmm. So both of those projects that I mentioned are on there. One Another project that I've done a lot of work with is called Instant Wild. Mm-hmm. And that's where you, you can be at your computer and you can look at a series of photos from, say, the Amazon or Borneo or somewhere in Africa. Yeah. And you help to identify the animals that you spot in those photos. Oh, wow. So, and they're from camera trap, camera traps that are placed in wild places yeah. by researchers. Mm-hmm. And they need help just going through all the images that, you know, that camera takes. So it, by having help making those identifications, they might have, you know, 30 different people look at a particular photo. Mm-hmm. They can get good data from yeah. what those 30 people think of that, what they're seeing. That's awesome. So there's no excuse is what it's saying. If you want to dive in, there's plenty. And these are all free, I assume. Yeah, they're all free. You're volunteering yeah. by participating. Exactly. So they're, of course, free and they, they are looking for help. And really, any ages can help you. If you have an account for a lot of these apps, you need to be 13 or older, right? like most apps. But they, the idea is for anybody to be able to help. Right. And a lot of times, I think there have been some research projects that have shown that um, teens and young people are often better at the science than the older. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I don't have the citation with me to prove that, but I've definitely yeah. read that mm-hmm. that the young people are really good at making observations, really good at doing things on computers. We know that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, well, I personally agree. They teach me stuff all the time, and I, I'm not that much older than a lot of them, and I'm like, you know, I never thought about it that way. <laughs> it takes a, it's yeah, a crowd it to figure things out. So really, actually, citizen science is crowdsourced science. Right. Heard of crowdsourcing. Yeah, yeah. So. So I guess um, the final question would be, what in the future for you? Like, wh- what what does Anne look forward to doing 
with all these things with citizen science? <laughs> Such a great question because <laughs> I am thrilled this summer to be helping Gen 2050 yes, with their programs um, as the Gen 2050 um, students or youth get involved mm-hmm. in marine science over the next couple summers and terrestrial science after that. There are just so many opportunities to look closely at the world around us. And I say us because, you know, any of us that are involved are learning too. We're not just like deciding what needs to be learned and then handing it over. We're learning all summer long. Right. And there, there are people all over the city who are doing work and it's it'll doing work on the environments and making decisions about how South Florida will be now and in the future. And so if we can tune into what they're doing and contribute and have voices, you know, have our voices heard, mm-hmm. help youth talk about what they're excited about, yeah. curious about what they see is important. That's, yeah. that's going to be really, really awesome this summer. So I don't know how much I should give up. No, 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 it's kind of health saving. Oh, you want to know? You should register for Gen 2050. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be, yeah. I'm just so excited, and everything's so new this year. And everything that I think we've learned with the bio blitzes and learning about citizen science with you has always been centered around waters and stuff. So it is kind of a different take for us at Gen 2050 because the sea is brand new to us. So we're all super excited just to see all the things that we get to learn. And I'm so happy that you're with us on this journey. So, um, and then the final thing, a word of the day. As you guys know, we like to have the word of the day. And and if you could just summarize citizen science and your experience in life, what would be your word? It's hard to pick one. Yeah. Curiosity yeah. would be the biggest one because as a teacher, and as a learner my whole life, it's all about curiosity and we all have it. We don't want to, we, we need to use it. Yeah. That's how we can find the treasures in our life. You know, life really is kind of like one big treasure hunt between yeah. experiences and the people that we meet and the, yeah. and the understanding that we build over time. So I would say curiosity is where it, where it starts. Yeah. Where it all starts. That's yeah. also how we can lead to Figuring out how to solve problems. Yeah. And we see problems around us and we have challenges. And we have plenty of those. Mm-hmm. That curiosity about solutions. Mm-hmm. It's also what we what we need. So that's that's the seed that we that's already there that I think we want to grow during, yeah. during lean into the curiosity. Yes. I love that. I love okay. that. Well, thank you so much, Anne, for joining me in this wonderful conversation about citizen science. And as always, we have two sponsors that we love to thank, and those are the Children's Trust and Trinity Church. And as always, there are three ways in which you can listen or watch this podcast. If you'd like to listen, just follow us on Apple or Spotify. And if you'd like to watch us, follow us on YouTube. You know, subscribe, click that bell to always stay up to date. And remember, this is the Steam Forward Podcast. Steam Forward Podcast.